Welcome to Episode 6 of the BCF ORG Tech Talk. I'm Brian Fisher. This episode unwraps the mystery around linear motors. The title, Linear Motors Made Simple. This podcast series focuses on the various subjects and topics to help you choose the right industrial automation solution for your application. Each episode is approximately 10 to 15 minutes long, so you can listen while commuting. It's targeted to engineers and project managers. In previous episodes, we've covered introduction to electric actuators versus pneumatic cylinders, the industry direction, cost of ownership, unexpected downtime, and the many advantages of electrical actuators. This episode looks at linear motors made simple. When we think of motors, it's usually a traditional rotary motor with a rotor and a stator that have been around for about 200 years. But there are also linear motors and linear tubular motors. Linear motors have been coming into their own over the past 30 years. A typical linear motor is effectively an AC induction motor that has been cut open and unwrapped. The stator is laid out in the form of a track of flat coils made from aluminum or copper and is known as the primary of the linear motor. The rotor takes the form of a moving platform known as the secondary. When the current is switched on, the secondary glides past the primary supported and propelled by a magnetic field. Tubular linear motors are gaining traction in industrial applications. This is especially true in the packaging and medical industries, where tubular linear motors have proven an ideal replacement for pneumatics with a similar form factor, but much better efficiency and reliability. Like their flat counterparts, tubular linear motors have two main parts, permanent magnets and a stator that houses the windings. But in the tubular linear motor design, the magnets are not laid out on a flat track. Instead, disc-shaped magnets are embedded in a tube or slider, often referred to as a thrust rod, and a stator, also referred to as a forcer, which surrounds the thrust rod. Another benefit of tubular designs over flat linear motors is their compact footprint. A tubular linear motor can operate with either the stator, forcer, moving and a slider, the thrust rod, stationary, or vice versa. The ability to have the slider, thrust tube, moving is one of the attributes that makes tubular linear motors a good replacement for pneumatic cylinders, which often operate with an extending and retracting rod for pushing or pressing operations. The simple, clean, tubular design makes it easy to install the motor, reducing the footprint and achieving unrivaled force density. Contrary to conventional drive solutions, tubular linear motor solutions do not require any mechanical transmission elements, which simplifies the design while reducing wear to almost zero and thus minimizing maintenance. This is called a direct drive linear motor. I reached out to Mike Korkowski, application engineer at Linmont, for further information on rotary motors, linear motors, and tubular linear motors in particular. Mike is an IEEE member, ASQ member, and motion control application engineer training manager. He's done full turnkey electrical control design packages and capital project management with various OEMs over 30 years. His specialties include product and sales rep training, metalworking 
and packaging material handling equipment control systems, equipment manuals, and other documentation, including technical writing. Also, a former ISO 9001-2008 management representative. Let's welcome Mike Korkowski. Mike, welcome to the BCF ORG Tech Talk podcast. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome, sir. Mike, I'm always interested in people's stories. Uh, would you let us know your path to becoming an application engineer at Linmont? Sure. It all started when I was in the U.S. Navy. I was in there for 12 years. And basically what I was, was a uh, technician for, for lack of a better word, a gigantic robot that was run by a servo amplifier. And that's where I got to understand servos and, and those types of large systems. And when I left the military, I finished my training and uh, was working towards my electrical engineering degree and worked at many companies over many decades in the OEM capacity as a controls engineer project manager, operations manager, and even uh, ISO 9001 rep at one time. And then in the end, Peter contacted me, my manager, and uh, here at Linmont, and the rest is history. So I've been here for about seven years, but I have about 30 years of experience in the industry. Today's topic is Linear Motors Made Simple. Would you please share your thoughts on rotary motors, linear motors, and tubular linear motors? Sure thing, Brian. First of all, just about everybody knows a lot about rotary motors. That's very common, very mainstream. In the sense of rotary motors, linear motors, and tubular linear motors, I would say keep in mind your, your motion, like match the motor to the motion. Rotaries like typically pumps, mixers, things of this nature, conveyor belts, things like this. And then you may graduate up to uh, maybe a larger linear motor profile for heavier products, things with carriages and other mechanisms. And then you go down to the tubular linear motor product, basically a small, typically a small form factor. It's basically a pneumatic replacement type component. That's pretty much how I would sum it up. Well, what factors should engineers consider? when selecting rotary, linear, or tubular linear motors for their applications? Well, Brian, I would say it's all about your motion. The objective is to make it as simple as possible. You really must truly define a motion objective and then really a motion profile. I mean, the form factors are very critical to external conditions like cooling, like with rotary motors, you have totally enclosed fan cooled or totally enclosed, non-ventilated, you know, linear motors need cooling. They need surfaces to attach to as heat sinks. The size factors, is it going to fit inside a pocket in a machine? You really got to think about all that. And, and really, as far as the controls too, as well, like what power is available? You got to think of all those things, different motors, different payloads, and what you can fit into your form factor on your machine component. We're speaking with Mike Korkowski, application engineer at Linmont in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Mike, what type of applications are best suited for tubular linear motors? 
Well, for a tubular linear motor, a perfect solution is a direct pneumatic replacement. You have a typically a small footprint. You basically get the look and even the size of a typical small cylinder, but you have the versatility of an electric actuator. I mean, you can do rejectors, diverters, material handling, food applications. You even have linear rotary combinations like we have here. And then we have IP69 and IP69K. So you have to uh, think about that too as well. Like what do you really need as far as wash down and things of this nature? So tubular linear motors are very popular once you start to learn more about them and, and use them in your applications. And quite simple, honestly. Well, what's been your experience on the reliability of tubular linear motor actuators? First of all, they're extremely high in reliability. We are working, uh, talking about a direct drive linear motor here. So what that really means in context is this guy doesn't have any external gearboxes, no extra linkages, really nothing. It's simply a stator and a slider and really controlled by electrical controls and magnets. So there are no extra parts to replace, no gearboxes, no nothing like that. And we have applications that when properly maintained, they do billions of cycles. And honestly, we have applications that we have used in our testing labs that have been running since the 1990s nonstop. So I would consider that highly reliable for a tubular linear motor. We're speaking with Mike Gorkowski, application engineer at Linmont in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Mike, what are your ideas on control schemes and control systems for linear motors? Well, Brian, this is a pretty interesting topic and something that I worked with personally over the years. You have to think long-term and really the customer should be thinking feel bus. This is absolutely the best choice for versatility long-term, whether it's Profibus, Profinet, Profidrive, Ethernet IP, Ethercat, whatever. You need to be thinking about that because you have many, many options. But what I have found, Brian, is that when customers come into these products like linear motors, they're skeptical and, and they're unsure about things. So what you want to do or what you can do is you can start out with simple I.O. control and the customer can actually graduate as they learn more about their own control systems and have more sophisticated control controllers like different PLC types. I personally have been involved in seven or eight of these projects here at this company, and I've seen this happen. And the advantage to the customer is in whatever manufacturer you choose, whatever vendor you choose, you can always start small with a servo drive that has a field bus and still use the IO control points. And then later on, when you understand, when the customer understands that these field buses more or how, how to do these operations, they don't have to turn in the drive. They have the drive available to them to use for more new recipes, more complex projects. And this is great. So you can deploy your project with uh, confidence long-term. Well, Mike, is there anything that I haven't asked that you'd like to add? Well, sure. First of all, think about creating a positive relationship with your vendors, whoever they are. You want positive support long-term. You always think simple. 
you never make a project more complicated than it has to be. And in the reliability is the goal. What a lot of people end up doing, Brian, is they think that because they can program it or, or make it and it runs that it's okay, but that's not what you want. You don't want to babysit your projects. You want them to be robust. You want your customers to be happy. You want them to run and not worry about them. So that's what you have to think long-term and, and you're going to use good machinery building practices. For example, no matter what linear actuator, rotary motor, linear motor, that you end up pick or end up using, you certainly want to make sure that all your good machinery building practices are adhered to and that all your components are mounted properly. And it's a very simple thing to do. It's, it's not complicated and it's really not rocket science. And that's what people really need to do. And you'll be surprised what you find when you know where to look when it comes to picking a, like a tubular linear motor, for example, for a project. How can people get in contact with you, Mike? You can contact us at our website at www.linmontlinmont.com. And you can contact us at our main office here in Lake Geneva, 262-743-2555. We have a number of people willing to help you with your projects, and uh, we're here uh, all the time. Mike, thank you very much for joining us today on the BCF ORG Tech Talk podcast and discussing linear motors made simple. You're welcome, Brian. My thanks for Mike for joining us today. Like any solution, some technologies are better suited than others depending on the application. Hydraulic and pneumatic actuators will always have their place in certain applications. However, most engineers will find that clean, safe, quiet, flexible, and economical electrical linear actuators are a better choice for most applications. My thanks to Linmont for sponsoring this episode. Linmont, the linear motion technology leader. Visit Linmont at linmont.com. That's L-I-N-M-O-T dot com. Online references for this episode were from explainthatstuff.com and motioncontroltips.com. This podcast is on several directories. In search, type BCF-O-R-G-T-E-C-H. Be sure to leave a space between BCF-O-R-G and T-E-C-H. Click on subscribe or follow to automatically be notified of future episodes. And feel free to share this podcast with people who you think may benefit. A strong rating of these podcasts would be appreciated. In our next episode, 7 We'll look at frequent maintenance between electric actuators and pneumatic cylinders. If you'd like to reach out to me with any questions, ideas, or potentially be a guest like Mike, please go to bcforg.com. There's a red Contact Us button in the middle of the homepage. A LinkedIn symbol is on the upper right. Click on that if you'd like to see my profile. These podcasts will be released monthly. From BCFORG Corp., I'm Brian Fisher, wishing you the best. Thanks. Thanks.